Once you have had a wonderful dog, a life without one is a life diminished. That's a quote by author Dean Coots, and I couldn't agree more. I want my wonderful dogs to live as long as possible, and what they eat plays a huge role in their health and longevity. Kibble is full of seed oils that wreak havoc on our dog's health. They damage their microbiome, which affects digestion, oral health, their skin and coat, and more. And that's why I feed my dog Benji Yumwoof. Their air-dried food is GMO-free and has an inflammation-reducing recipe with omega-3 and coconut oil. It's all the benefits of fresh food without the fridge, carbs, fillers, seed oils, and other inflammatory ingredients you see in other brands. Yum Woof obsessively crafted a healthy, low-carb food with humanely raised USDA meat, eggs, and other non-GMO superfoods that my dog loves. Try the number one air-dried dog food for gut health for 50% off a trial of Yum Woof. That's 50% off a trial of Yum Woof. Go to www.yumwoof.com. That's www.yumwoof.com. You and your dog will be so glad you did. Does your family include a dog or a cat? Would you like to be better educated on how to advocate for their health naturally? Then why not check out all of the amazing resources on naturallyhealthypets.com? Dr. Judy Morgan is a trusted advisor and a regular guest here on the Dog Eared Podcast. She has over 38 years experience as an integrative veterinarian, acupuncturist, chiropractor, food therapist, author, speaker, podcast host, and owner of Dr. Judy Morgan's Naturally Healthy Pets. Dr. Judy's goal is to change the lives of pets by educating and empowering pet parents just like you in the use of natural healing therapies and minimizing the use of chemicals, vaccinations, and poor quality processed food. Head on over to naturallyhealthypets.com where you'll discover healthy product recommendations, comprehensive courses, the Naturally Healthy Pets podcast, informative blogs, upcoming events, and so much more. Again, that's naturallyhealthypets.com, the place to learn how to give your pet the vibrant life that they deserve. Does your dog do? Well, here to answer that question is our fantastic guest, Sally Gutteridge. Today, we're going to be talking about her book, The Senior Dog Wellness Guide, which is a must have for every dog owner. Sally Gutteridge is a writer obsessed with the welfare and well-being of dogs. As an ex-military dog trainer, former instructor of hearing dogs for deaf people and long-term rescuer, Sally has devoted her life to canine education and getting the right dog-focused information to as many people as possible, investigating and interpreting the most up-to-date science on how dogs live and learn is vital to the welfare of dogs and the accurate, empathetic knowledge of their guardians within a successful partnership and an excellent team. Sally provides top quality education through Canine Principles, LTD. Sally lives in rural Cumbria, UK with an ever patient husband and four rescue terriers. Sally, does your dog do... Is your dog getting older without your permission? I think something like that. (laughs) 
because that's the only fault that dogs have, isn't it? They yes. um, we start to see they get stiff when they're getting up. Um, they're happy to go without a walk one day. Um, all of a sudden, you look at them, and there's a lot more grey there than there was last time you checked. Um, and, and we see them. It's quite unique. We see them as young dogs, young, energetic, sometimes troubled, beautiful dogs. Um, and bit by bit, we see them grow into little old people I suppose don't we yeah, yes. and it, it's hard it's hard but obviously it's also the sweetest sweetest time when we live with dogs that have got older um they struggle a bit they start to not be able to see as well and hear as well and but at the same time for, for them you've been with them for their entire lifetime um, and you are their safety. You're you're everything to them, um, and so it's the sweetest time too. Yeah, and I love in the book you have so many great quotes. Quote: Our dogs don't go straight from adulthood to goodbye, though. There's a precious time in the middle, the time when they look like their whiskers have been dusted with sugar, their bark becomes hoarse, their legs become stiff little pegs, and our relationship reaches a pinnacle of perfection. This book is about that time. I love the dusted whiskers and the sugar nose years. You write are amazing times. And what's so great about this book is you really tell us everything we need to watch out for. So I want to start in health and responsibility. You write about accepting the holistic nature of canine health. What does that mean? The holistic nature of any of us, and particularly our dogs, I believe to be the everything. Um, we... I, think that we've we've become a culture where we have like dog health who we take to the vets and we have dog training who we take to the dog trainer um, and sometimes we venture into natural health such as supplements and massage and things like that but there's so much more to our dogs and we 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 can sometimes forget that they do have their own preferences and um they do have their own emotional responses. And I'm 48 now and I work really hard. And some days I just haven't got anything in me to do anything. I'm just like, okay, I'm tired today and I'm going to accept I'm tired today. But how often do we look at our dogs who are in their lifetime later than I am in mine and say, Okay, how do they feel today? Do they just want to lay about on the sofa today? And if so, that's absolutely fine. Um, so I think we need to balance all of it, how they feel, how they move, how they act, how they eat. Um, and we need to move away from the idea that we have the vet who deals with their health and we have the trainer who deals with their behaviour. It's funny, though, because even though I know it's good for Benji to not take a walk every day, I feel guilty because I'll take blue. So what I'll do if my husband's home before he leaves for work, I'll say, go outside with Benji and, you know, pet him and be with them. And then I'm going to sneak blue. out. Um, we actually have a dog buggy um, oh. and we put 
we kind of rotate the dogs in it. So Chips, my 14-year-old, um, he walks most of the time. But the girls, because we've got a 12-year-old and a, um, a 10-year-old, and they rotate in the buggy. So if they look particularly uncomfortable, then we'll pop them in the buggy and then get them out and do some food scattering in the park. Nice. Um, but, yeah, you do find yourself when you walk with all the dogs that – you don't get any exercise benefits from it, do you? You just creep, creep along. Um. <laughs> I'm just laughing. I'm picturing my 90-pound lab in a buggy. <laughs> All right. Now, in Chapter 1, Adult to Aged, so you write, when does a dog go from being your adult friend to your elderly companion? And you say that signs of aging may include the following. So they could have confusion, fecal incontinence, urination incontinence, uh, increased thirst loss of decreased eyesight or hearing, reduced mobility, signs of pain, et cetera. And I really love that you talk about, you know, for us, for us humans, we can make choices. We can eat whole foods and we can move our bodies and we can work on our mental health. But the dogs rely on us to make sure we're giving them the absolute best. And I think for some people, they might think, well, I can't do that financially. I can't afford the, you know, to feed them raw organic food or I can't. But there are certain, but you can, you can still watch out for things that are changing and do what you can. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree with you. you what, seem, what might seem like a small change to us can be a huge change um, in the welfare and benefits of one of our dogs. Um, for example, if we did scatter feeding in the garden one day instead of going for a walk, that might be better for the dog, you don't have to pay any more for it because you just use their dinner. Um, and yet they oh. get to use their nose um, and they get to do the scent work around the garden. And that's really relaxing. And that really helps them mentally and emotionally because they're getting to use their, their predominant sense, which we often forget about. Yeah, that's true. And you talk about that in the book, in Life Enrichment, you have sniffing, foraging, problem solving, finding food, and successful interactions with their loved ones. And you write that sniffing is a dog's greatest joy. In chapter two in Cognition, you write every aging brain will benefit from three excellent habits. Number one is stimulation through focus and learning. Two is oxygen boosted through suitable physical exercise. And three are nutrients through excellent food and relevant supplements. If you can talk about each one of these three things a bit, that would be great. Yeah. Um, so the first one was stimulation from learning and problem solving. Again, for that, you don't have to spend you don't have to spend anything to be able to give your dog problems to solve. You can use old socks and pop a little bit of food in an old sock. Um, you, any kind of recycling that's safe, paper boxes, um, paper bags, packaging, old um, instant gravy tubs. Um, I don't know if you have those over there. No, it sounds good, though. <laughs> <laughs> I love gravy. <laughs> Cereal boxes, um, anything like that. And the aim is that you give them something that they have to work on to use their mind, but it is just within their capacity to cope with. So you don't want to give them something that's too hard for them where they walk away and say, I can't do that. 
but you want to build it up so they get there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm nearly there. I'm nearly there. Yay, I've got it. Because that's really good for their mental health. It's really good for their self-esteem and self-belief. And it also gets the neural pathways building and growing, which is great for a brain that's getting older. Yeah. Um, so that's that. With um, I'm sorry, I'll just turn my do not disturb on because um, the second one is obviously walking, but you can do it through scatter feeding. You can do mm-hmm. it through physio exercises. There are basic physio exercises that you can do where you teach your dog to sit and stand and sit and stand and sit and stand, and that strengthens this back end. Oh. Um, a lot of dogs that have um, pain in the back end with hips or back legs, they tend to shift their weight right forward. Oh my gosh! Yes. Oh my! Right when he, Benji completely, he almost looks like he's going to tip forward, like tip over. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Bless him. Um, so yeah, they're what they're doing is they're saying it's not that comfortable, and we all do it. Any of us that have any kind of injury or weakness will shift over so that the stronger parts of our body can deal with it. Um, And that's why a lot of dogs, when they have arthritis in the back, their front legs space out wider because they're taking more weight at the front. Um, And things like asking a dog to sit and stand and sit and stand and sit and stand is a really good physio exercise because it strengthens these back legs so they can then start to shift their weight back onto their back legs. And you only need to do it a few times for the heart rate to raise. Um, And you can do it just things like normal obstacles, like stand with your front legs on the stairs or a step and sit and stand and sit and stand. Um, And it it can get them kind of panting and having fun and enjoying it, particularly when you do it with clicker training and with treats um, and with food. It's like, yeah, this is great. I'm having a great time. And and within 10, 10 minutes, they're panting and puffing and you know they've they've interacted with you they've had fun they've put some weight on muscles that they've already started shifting weight off um, and their brain's getting oxygen I love that I'm going to start doing that with Benji the other thing I want to do is uh, we have a pond in our town and as soon as it gets warm enough I want to start bringing him to the pond now the third thing and this is something I've gotten really into has to do with the food now Everyone knows this story, so I'll keep it short. So my pity blue, he's very sensitive and he's itchy and he's got allergies. So he is on cooked turkey, cooked acorn squash and cooked peas right now with some with supplements. And I'm going to add some more things to that. And he's doing great. He's lost a little bit of weight. He's not chewing his paws all the time. It's amazing. And then for Benji, I feed him yum woof. And the reason I do is because it's air dried and it's all real food, which I really like. I I wrote a course a a few years ago, and it was about commercial dog food. And until I wrote that course and did all the research for that course, I used to feed my dogs commercial dog food, and they'd have tinned meat and tinned kibble, and that's what they'd have, and they'd eat it, and it, it was that that was their food. And then I wrote this course, and then I was like, oh my goodness, um. There's so much that can go wrong with feeding your dog just dog food. Um, 
however, if that's how you do it and it suits your dog and their poo's okay and it, it's working for them, um, you can just add little bits in that will help their body um, to cope as they get older. So you can add fish oil in, you can add a tin of sardines in, which is really good for the brain and the joints. Um, you can add in fresh vegetables with their food. Um, you can give them a carrot to chew because it's a perfect toothbrush. You can, um, even if you don't want to move away from the food that they've already had or you have got a very limited budget for food, if you give your dog table scraps, which can be broccoli, cabbage, um, any kind of Sunday roast meat, um, and you buy cheap sardines in oil, um, you can help them nutritionally without making too many massive changes. Right. Um, because often, if you think that kibble is just dry biscuits, and if a dog's on that for their entire life, there are there are lots of nutrients and lots of fresh foods and lots of enzymes that they're not actually getting because kibble, um, it, it doesn't give the dog the same as if they chewed a, a raw, fresh carrot. Um, so if we, we don't have to spend a fortune to just incorporate fresh foods into their diet. Now in chapter four, aches and pains, you talk about some of the different things that are happening and that we really need to watch for changes. Your dog may be defensive and avoids being touched. They may struggle to jump up on things. They may be aggressive towards you or another dog because of they're afraid of getting bumped, which is something I hadn't even thought of before. And then you jump into talking about osteoarthritis and, and we talk about some of the therapies that we've already mentioned. I just ordered Benji uh, a really nice orthopedic bed. And I'm super excited that you have some great recommendations in the book. I am. Um, I, I, we've just moved house and I um, I donated half of our dog beds to a dog rescue. Oh, and, nice. Um, we've still got way too many. I'm so obsessed with dog beds. Because there, are, well, there were four dogs up until relatively recently. And you kind of go, well, everybody mm -hmm. must have one. Right. <laughs> And I think it's important to have the, you know, holistic therapies that you talk about in the book and to have options. You know, like I massage Benji myself, like my, the physical therapist who did the aquatic therapy, I was lucky he taught me what to do. Now I could hire someone or I could do it myself. So I do it myself, you know, and yeah, it takes time. And I'll be honest, I don't do it every day. Sometimes I forget, but I try at my best, or sometimes I can't get him to lie on the, on the correct side to do it. And, but I think that's where we can step up. Yeah. I think it's really important to find a balance as well, because we do want to do the best for our dogs without a doubt. But at the same point, we also have to acknowledge when we are doing the best we can for our dogs, because we, we, we humans, we, we love a bit of guilt, don't we? Yeah. Um, and and um, it's so easy to get caught in the idea that you're not doing enough, you're not doing enough, you're not doing enough. Um, and even when you do, you, you kind of, you live, 
you create your world around your dogs. So it's really important as well to be kind to yourself and say, I am doing everything I can, or I am doing everything I can for what I've got right now in my resources. Otherwise, we could drive ourselves dotty, couldn't we? Yeah, no, that's such a good point. When I took Blue to the holistic vet and she said, okay, the goal is to get him off the kibble and then you add this and you do a few teaspoons of this and this and this. And we had a family situation with my father-in-law. There's a bunch of stuff going on and I felt guilty. I'm like, crap, it's been six weeks. He's still on kibble. And I was like, you know what? Life happens. And now he's off the kibble. He's been off the kibble for a month. And yeah, it took a few months longer than I planned, but he's off and everything's fine. But yeah, we can beat ourselves up because we want to do the best for our dogs. But life can get in the way. We can. We can become obsessive with it and we can give ourselves a really hard time for it. Um, A lot, a lot easier than giving ourselves a pat on the back for it. And so I think when we watch, when we watch our dogs getting older, we have to let go of some of the pressure we put on ourselves because no matter what they're going to get older no matter what their body's going to run out at some point and we can't stop that um so we have to find a balance to say yes i can do the very best i can and i am doing that but um if it's not perfect i'm still doing the very best that i can Yeah, I really appreciate that. In addition to dog-eared, I have a show called Health Power. Now, I've been in health media for 24 years, radio, TV, and podcasts. And I really care about not just what I put in my body, but what I put on my body. So I am absolutely in love with One Earth Body Care. Now, I extend that to my pets. I'm very careful about what I feed them, and I'm very careful about what I put on them. So I was so excited to find out that One Earth Body Care also has pet shampoo bars, which are phenomenal. They're gentle with organic oatmeal to soothe skin. Their neutral pH matches your pet's skin pH. Last 20 plus washes for large dogs and they're scented with pet-friendly essential oils. They also have a skin fix for pets, organic coconut, sunflower, and jojoba oils. It has calendula, which stimulates healing. It's great for hot spots, itchy patches, and their nose and paws. It's edible ingredients, safe to lick, and it's available with lavender oil or unscented. So I highly recommend you go to oneearthbodycare.com, click on pets, and get these for your pets. And while you're there, you can get wonderful things for your hair, your face, and body, and more. Again, oneearthbodycare.com. Now, in Chapter 5, Health Maintenance, you talk about essential health checking. Now, what are some of the essentials to check on our dogs? As dogs get older, they you know how people can get cataracts? Dogs can also get cataracts, and they also can um, start to lose their sight and their hearing. And it can be a strange thing to experience as a dog guardian, because if you imagine how a dog would feel in a world that they don't have a lot of control over anyway and suddenly they can't hear so well and they don't see so well. So they might get a little bit clingier. Um, They might kind of hang on to you a bit more. They might um, seem more confused. And to help them with that kind of thing, we can do things like not moving the furniture around too much, not moving around them so quickly, um, not being by them while they're asleep so they wake up and jump and things like that um as for general health checks what you're looking for really 
that is bespoke to dogs that are getting older is looking and smelling inside ears to check that everything's okay in there. Looking at the if there's any sheen on the eyes that started to come because that can show that they have cataracts coming. Um, but one of the main things I'd say is to observe, feel them for any lumps coming up because lumps can be sinister or they can be harmless. But the earlier that you find a lump and get it to the vets, um, get your dog to the vets with their lump. Um, the more chance you've got of getting it sorted out if it's sinister. Um, another thing to check when you could kind of run your hands over your dog is their muscle tone in their back legs. Um, because as, if dogs stop relying on a certain limb because it's painful, so like we were saying, they might shift forward, the muscle tone on their back legs will, will deteriorate. So where you where you previously had a dog that would kind of race around and have big chunky muscles on the legs, it it all goes a lot thinner and it, it becomes um, less useful to them. So you'll feel for that. And another thing um, that you'll check when you're doing a health check is to see what the coat's doing, it, because if a dog tenses up over an area that's sore the coat will change. Um, so you might have a, um, where a dog's coat was smooth as they get older, if they're tensing up around their hips because their hips are sore, you, you're gonna get a lot of tufty kind of coat changes around the hips. And that's what you're looking for, really, with older dogs, specifically with older dogs. Right. You know, one of the things that I thought was so interesting in the book as well is that you did touch on the benefits of positive reinforcement. Talk to us about positive reinforcement learning. And you also talk about something very important is teaching them to ring a bell, especially as they get older, to let you know they need to go out. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Bless them. You yeah. can ring my bell. You remember that song? Ring my bell, my bell. <laughs> Positive reinforcement is the only way that dogs should be taught. Um, there's a, I don't know how much you know about dog training and the dog training industry and how um, people kind of, there's this big battle between positive reinforcement and, and using kind of punishment. And, but we should only aim to use positive reinforcement. And the reason we should only aim to use that is because it speaks directly to the dog's brain it maintains a good emotional state for the dog. Um, it works to build their self-esteem and as much as possible, it also prevents them from experiencing stress. Now, as our dogs get older, they can, particularly if we have a dog that we rescued or had a bad start in life, any anxiety that they had when they got to us will go and then as they get older it can come back in um so as if you think that the brain it developed in it for example a rescue dog that had a bad start it would have developed in a um a situation that was stressful 
and then it spent a lot of its time learning to live in a safe situation but then as the brain starts to degenerate it's going to start to revert back to what it learned right at the beginning um training through punishment or force or making a dog do something or misunderstanding what a dog's saying to us can cause anxiety in itself um yet training through positive reinforcement can grow confidence and work against causing anxiety because it helps the dog to make the right choices and it helps the dog to cope i was wondering is there something you can do when you just mentioned that as they get older their anxiety comes back like even if you're doing the positive reinforcement is there anything else we can do to help our dogs if that's happening um it's we should when we live with dogs the priority that we that we should have in my opinion is that we always make them feel safe because if we think that they don't have much control over their environment we've got them in our homes we expose them to our lives and if we imagine if we were in that situation how safe would we feel so throughout a dog's life our priority should not be making them walk nicely on the lead particularly it should not be making them well-mannered little pets it should be making them feel safe um and when a dog starts to feel old age anxiety we have to work harder to make them feel safe so we do everything that we've always done but we add that little bit of extra understanding that yes they might not be feeling safe as easily as they did five years ago how can i make them feel safe okay now can you walk us through how to train them to ring the bell <laughs> yeah <laughs> this takes i guess as long as it takes right depending on your dog yeah yeah and it, it's basic um marker training and targeting so what you would do is you would teach a dog that your marker meant a reward so for example i'll say clicker so you teach your dog that you click means a treat and you do that over three or four sessions of click treat click treat click treat click treat and then you put it away and then you come back a couple of hours later and you click treat click treat click treat and your dog will be like whoa this this is great i get sausage when i hear this sound and when your dog realizes that they get sausage when they hear the sound the next thing you do is you start to teach a new behavior through it so with Rosie, who's down here, we have a little bell with a, a little button on. And um, we put it down in front of her and kind of stand. And she knows you've got the clicker. She knows you've got the food. And she'll go, right, what can I do to get that click? <laughs> <laughs> and so she, she'll kind of get in a few different positions. And she'll try this and she'll try that. And then she'll just kind of eventually, because she's so clever, she'll just bash bash the bell and it'll go ting and you'll go click and then she'll have a tree and then three or four goes and she's like i know what i have to do here here's the bell ting click tree yay and that's it but how do you get them to how did they know that that's a signal that they need to go out that they ring the bell when they need to go out how does that happen 
what you would do is you would um, take, once they've got the idea that ringing the bell gets them something that they want, you would generalise that then you'd have the bell in another room and they'd go off and they'd ring it and come back for their treat. And, and then you would take it to the door that they normally go out for and you would practice it there. So click, ring, click, treat, ring, click, treat, ring, click, treat. And um, you could then, when you do let them out, you open the door, what you would do is you'd have the door closed, you'd have the bell there, you'd take them to the, the bell, they would ring the bell, you'd give them the treat and you'd open the door. And do that a few times, and then they'll learn by a process. It's called classical conditioning by a process of classical conditioning. When I do this, this happens, and then this happens. And then before you know it, this is a process in the dog's mind. So when I do this, I get treat, the door opens. When I do this, I get treat, the door opens. And then it's like they get to the door, the door's not open, that you're not standing there watching, waiting for them. It's like, last time I did this, about 30 times I've done this. And and the 30 times that I've done this, the door has opened um, and I really need a wee. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you said that. Where am I going to get this door open? I'll just, I'll, I'll, and then it's like, I know, ding, and there you come, click, treat, door. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. I have to try that. Now, chapter six, Twilight, you write that it's a hard chapter to write and it was a hard chapter. It's a hard chapter to read. And you write one of the most common questions we hear is how will I know when it's time to let my dog go? And what's so great in this book is you really break it down for people and you talk about mental health. You talk about confusion, pain and mobility issues. Is your dog happy? Feel excited about things or take pleasure in things? And there's always this conversation or this guilt of, I, I did it too early or I did it too late. With both of my dogs that I had before, one of them just went and went and went and went and went. He was 13, my pit mix, and literally just fell over one day. And two days later, we had to put him down. Everything was feeling. And you, he didn't even slow. He never slowed down. Like, it was crazy. And then my German Shepherd Irish Setter mix, Bobo, he lived to be 15. He was a big dog, but he had the last year really slowing down and then all the accidents. And then he fell down the stairs one day. I always felt like we did it too early. But when I look back, I think I think it was the right thing to do. But it's so hard. It's so hard. Any words of that you'd love to share on this would be great. I think it's one of the hardest things, without a doubt. It's so hard. Um, but I agree with you that a little bit early is better than late. Um, and it sometimes it gets taken out of your hands than like our last dog it was taken out of our hands he was like your dog he just he was a puppy for his entire life and he got to 15 we we're on holiday and he started having seizures and we lost him that night um so sometimes it's taken out of your hand but i think often it's people with their first dog that might leave it a little bit too late but then afterwards it's a learning process. It's it's like we've left it a little bit. I've left it too late for this dog because I couldn't let them go. But I won't do that again. 
Um, and that's kind of that. That's what I see in my experience. But there's absolutely nothing we can do to stop our dogs getting old. We can't. It's their only fault, isn't it? Their only fault is that they become senior and they get old and their bodies stop working for them. Um, and, and I think if we can be kind to them and also be kind to ourselves and we work in from the heart when we make the decisions on their behalf because they can't do it, I think um, we can't do any more than that. Yeah, that's we're, true. Yeah, we're very lucky that we can help dogs along um, because my dog, who we lost most recently because he started having seizures, died in exactly the same way as my dad died. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but I had to sit in a hospital room and watch my dad have seizures for 36 hours. And I remember saying to my husband, we wouldn't do this to a dog. Um, but then 18 months later, we were in exactly the same position with the dog, but we let him go a lot quicker. Um, and I think we're so lucky that we have that choice. Absolutely. I think we need it for people, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. We had it done at the vet and now I, I didn't even realize that there was options to do it at home. So my husband and I were talking about that because of your book. It's so great. It brought up so many issues. And so we said, yeah, if, if, if we can, if we can, we'd like to, we'd like to do it at home. In the book at the end, you write that you were in tears thinking about all the dogs you've had. And I have, uh, what is it called? I think it's anticipatory grief or something like that, where I'm already sad. <laughs> So I'm trying to, yeah. yeah, right. It's so hard, yeah. but it's part of being a dog owner, you know, and you talk about that. It, you, you are sad and there's grief and, but you do it all over again. Well, was there anything that you wanted to add today? I mean, of course, we're going to give all the ways that people can find you. But again, this book is so incredibly important. I mean, I feel so much more relaxed now. Like I know what to look for. I know what to do. I know how to help. Again, it's the Senior Dog Wellness Guide, Sally Gutteridge. Sally, was there anything you wanted to add today? In all honesty, if it helps somebody to go through and to cope with uh, watching at, watching their dog get older and knowing when to make that decision and knowing what to expect and knowing how to understand their dog. If one person benefits, then it's just worth writing it. Well, I'm sure a lot of people have benefited, yeah. Sally. It's a wonderful book. And you have so many books. So we're going to have you on a lot. I'm super excited. We're, I'm a one-woman operation. I'm going to have you on <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, my team and I of myself, um, we're going to have you on a lot. Sally, tell us all the ways we can find you. Um, well, I have my website, sallygotteridge.com. I also have, um, which me and my husband own and run, which is an online course website called um, canineprinciples.com. Um, so we sell Oh, I think we've got about 80 online courses on there. And we've got students all over the world um, with canine principles. And it's all built on um, my belief that we're here with dogs. They're not here for us. Um, so that's canine principles. And then 
in the UK, we've also got the National Institute for Canine Ethics, which is a membership organisation for dog trainers and behaviourists and carers, which encourages and teaches people to be ethical around dogs. Um, so people join and then they get webinars and we, we they kind of make a sign a statement to say this is how I work. So or any of those things. Oh, fantastic. Well, Sally, I can't wait to have you back. I'm going to be reading all of your books because this was so incredibly helpful. Again, the Senior Dog Wellness Guide. And everybody keep coming back to Dog Eared and also check out Health Power while you're here. And be sure to check out Yum Woof as well. And I have a new sponsor called OneEarthBodyCare.com. They have a shampoo bar for your dog that has the right pH balance. They also have a salve that you can put on your dog when they, you know, their paws get sore, they get itchy. So I'm super excited about that. So check them out as well. OneEarthBodyCare.com and get some stuff for yourself as well. Have a great day.